have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You gotta touch, you have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta be possessed with the dream. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight from the Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I'm your host on this personal development and growth podcast. Listen, if you're new to this show, I just want to welcome you. If this is your second or 252nd time tuning back in, I just want to thank you for your continued listenership and support of the podcast. It means a lot to me. And on that note, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, where we are everywhere there is podcasts on all major platforms, please do so. I'd appreciate the support. And uh, also YouTube, we just started the YouTube channel, so please go check us out there, and uh, you'll get the full visual of all the guests we have on, and um, and please subscribe to the channel there too. Appreciate the support. And uh, without further ado, I want to welcome in a good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, uh, colleague in fitness, Miss Tara Warwick. How are you? Thank you for coming, man. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So let's talk about how you and I first met. Yeah, I want to hear your, no, let's hear your side. I'm curious. So I remember meeting you when all of us years ago, when Fitness 19 basically just became a thing. Years as in two decades. Like two decades, yes. (laughs) And I was, I just started lifting and I met your husband, Andy. Shout out to Andy, Andy Warwick. He's a man. (laughs) And I remember, I remember, starting to train with him and we it was myself him um there was a couple dave russell and yeah. and then there was um who was the other the trainer guy da- uh no but dan was there too yeah um, dan but but the trainer um he was a trainer of fitness oh, 19 uh was it chris chris i think yeah yeah, yeah chris, chris. yes One that's right our, ugh, so guy. we all went out to dinner at mcclintock's oh and that's the first i believe it was the first time i met you Wow. And that was, like I said, like a, t- a long time ago. I don't know about two decades. Might have been two decades. Yeah, know. we were babies. Almost two. Well, maybe 18 years. I don't know. I think it was in 2004, maybe. Yeah. Or 2003. Yeah. It was, yeah, close to two decades. Anyway, a long time ago. And I remember, I still remember what I'm, well, no, I'm almost sure I remember what Andy ordered. <laughs> he ordered, I think, uh, like top sirloin or something or no it was like a bunch of hamburger it was a bunch of bland looking fucking meat and i just remember like thinking <laughs> pile of protein yeah <laughs> and anyway so yeah those things is weird how those things like stick to your memory yeah and you never release they never go anywhere like you just always remember but yeah that's the first time i remember I, meeting you yeah i would agree and you know what's crazy is i totally didn't remember that but the second you said it i can see it as a picture in my mind like we like had a back room. T- it wasn't yeah. in the main. It wasn't in the main dining hall. No, it no. was like in the back. Yeah, right? yeah. And I remember we're kind of secluded. Like it was because we had a big party. Young, not a care in the world. Didn't know what any of us were doing. <laughs> oh yeah, I still don't know what I'm doing. But <laughs> that's for a different topic. That's what keeps us young. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, Andy was. A- you know, I, this he was a fitness competitor at that time. Yeah, he, he was, was super competing. into bodybuilding. Yeah, and I remember when I got into that whole gym scene at Fitness 19, he was the one that kind of took him, I'm sorry, took me under his wing. And, you know, this is a, this is a really big statement to make, but I believe that if it weren't for him giving me the inspiration to, to, to compete, 
I would have never competed. Like him giving me his word, Aww. like his approval, so to speak, like, hey, man, you would do really good if, yeah. you, if you started competing. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have, I don't believe I would have competed and I don't believe that I would have been in a personal training because here's why it was sort of a transitional situation. Like it was transitional in the regard of I went from one to the other. Yeah. If it wasn't for bodybuilding and competing, I would have probably never took on a physique that was worth anybody asking me anything in terms of questions or how to do things. Yeah. Then I would have never understood the love I had to explain things or give tutorials for things. Aww. Then I would have never personal trained. It would have never had the personal training business, etc. So I believe that God puts people in your life to cause you to grow and level up. And he gives them words of encouragement to speak. Well, that was, I, I have two people in my life apart from my parents, two people in my life that have done that for me. Uh, Ramon is one and Andy is another one. Ramon was the one that w- drove the impetus for the podcast. And if it weren't for Ramon, I don't believe I'd have a podcast. And if it weren't for Andy, I don't believe I would be a personal trainer, have the business, a even competitive bodybuilder. That's huge. I don't think he knows that. Either. Andy's, Andy's the fucking man. Um, He's the man. He, well, and here's the, the full circle of that is um, I have been in the fitness industry for a very long time. I started um managing I was a manager of Kennedy Club Fitness so I wasn't a trainer my husband has been a trainer since he was 18 years old um that is something that he was very compassionate about doing at a young age and learned a lot and very fast to this day um I don't think there's a human that I know that knows more about the industry than himself he's still not a trainer but he still reads and keeps up with the the trends and knows everything there is to learn because it's endless learning is never over um but he's still to this day I'll see him at night instead of watching tv he's sitting there reading like how to better himself and fitness and all, all the things it's wild but um I managed the club um and then went into teaching because that's when I went to school to be and I thought that's what I had to do was help you know, children. And I love helping people. That's just my passion. And then he was the one who pushed me to become a personal trainer as well. Like he was the one who from day one years ago said, you need to do this. You need to do this. This is your calling. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. And then I don't know why or what flipped the switch in my brain. And then I did it. And then I would have to say he was the one who pushed me and then my friends and everyone was just like, you're just gifted at this. And I'm that person who doesn't take compliments well because I'm like, no, 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 it's you, it's you, it's you. A very hard time with yeah. that. I'm the first one to just be like, no, 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 no. Um, but you were that driving force for me to believe in myself. Um, and when I kind of apprenticed under you, I guess you could say, or worked with you at your studio. You worked with me, yeah. That was the confidence that I needed and knew was always there, but I just, it was almost like you pushed me off the ledge without pushing me off the ledge. And then yet I almost pushed you off the ledge, if that makes sense. Um, no, I mean, this it. is a deeper conversation yeah, yeah. for another time. No, no, but we can talk about it because look, the reason why I say, first of all, the reason why I say work with me was because I never put people under me that work in my facility. I don't believe in that. We all work together. We don't, even though we don't work right. like hand in hand together, 
it's that is that's, to me that's important to, to not in the industry though I think that's where it needs to to go is it's such a small industry and there's so many people to help that one trainer there shouldn't be one trainer and um I'm not everybody's cup of tea just like you're not so I I feel like everyone in the industry feels this competitiveness to be like, I can't believe she's a trainer. I can't believe he's a trainer. I can't believe they're doing that. There's not enough room. There's not enough space. But I'm like, yeah. How many people can you physically? I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. I have been open at my facility for one year, September 1st, actually. So it's coming up. Um, and I'm working 13 hours a day. You don't hear that. I don't complain about it. I love what I do. But I'm, at, how long can you sustain that with, sacrificing your own friendships and relationships and I'll tell you the first thing that has gone is my friendships I'm still a very devoted loving wife and amazing mom and I don't miss anything from my kids or my husband for that matter but the quality of time we get isn't there anymore but what has sacrificed is my friendships I mean I have friends who have straight up said to me like you're just not a good friend anymore because you're not there but they don't understand like I just opened my own business for the first time in my whole life and I'm 40. I'm still learning <laughs> like, you know, and you I can only give so much and that hurts my heart so bad that those friendships feel that way. So even on the longest of days when I'm exhausted, I don't have a single ounce of energy in me. I will still text people from time to time and just say, hey, thought of you today. And that's it. And that's all that people really want to hear and know. But like. I hate saying even texting a friend, hey, thought about you today. It's a chore for me right now to do that because I have to give everything that I have to my business because that is what I have poured my heart and soul into and I relate it as an infant child. When they're an infant, when your kids are young, you have to give them all of your attention and the first thing that's sacrificed when you have kids is your friendships because you can't go out late at night and party. I mean, you could, but are you setting a good example for your child? No. Um, and you're exhausted. <laughs> so yeah. many things. But. Um, well, here's a question. How does Andy, what does Andy say about that? Like, how does, does Andy give you any way to navigate around that sort of thing? Because a, a man's advice is going to be starkly different than a woman's advice yeah. in terms of keeping your friends or how to navigate through this opening yeah. the business and keeping friendships alive, et cetera. So how does, or rather, what does he say about it? I have to tell you that I've, um, won the jackpot as far as I'm concerned with a partner because there's nobody in my entire life who's been more of a cheerleader and supporter than that man. He doesn't question a single thing I do, all he does is support and uplift. And if I come home and cry and it's an utter failure because that happens in life and that's how you grow as an adult and a human, um, nothing has been perfect um, in my life. I've had a very interesting life. I have lots of stories and it's molded the human that I am. But I think it's just so important that when you're finding a companion in life that you find someone that is willing to support you no matter what. And and not to say that it's not work, it's work. I mean, he just said to me the other night, like, I really wish that we could go on a date because our kids are old enough to stay at home now. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. We got to do it. But then it's eight o'clock at night and both of us are like, but we really want to sleep too. 
So, but you both have to make that work. So I'm like, let's order pizza in, let's stay in. And then we don't have to go out. We save that hour. We're in bed by 10 because we're up at 430 in the morning, like clockwork, both of us seven days a week. Sundays we can <laughs> sleep in a little bit, but that's like 6 a.m. And <laughs> it's crazy. That is very crazy. It's insane. <laughs> well, what were you like? Because I've always wondered this. What were you like? What's the terror like from high school? Like starting at high school. Let's start there. What's Tara in high school? Who's the Tara in high school? Um, I think everyone who knows me would contest to all of this too. And I have a couple of girls that are in town here that went to high school with me. So backstory a little bit. I grew up in Yosemite National Park. In the actual park itself, everyone says, oh, oh, curse, curse, curled. No, I grew up in Yosemite. You walked out my front door and Yosemite Falls was right there. Um, my kindergarten class was kindergarten through eighth grade. There was 10 of us that graduated eighth grade. When I went to high school, it was an hour and a half bus ride each way. So I spent three hours of my day on the bus and I would leave the house at 630 in the morning. You'd have a pop tart in your hand. You'd finish your homework there. You'd get to first period. I did sports. So then I took the late bus. I'd get home at eight. I'd eat leftovers in the fridge. I'd go to bed and I would do it again. Um, I didn't know any different. I know now, but then that was just the life that I led. So um, it's different, but you don't know anything different when you're in it. Um, there, It was a small town. There was nothing to do other than sports. So I grew up playing every sport, and it's co-ed because there's not enough kids. So you're playing boy and girl soccer. You're playing baseball with the boys. You're playing basketball with the boys. It's a very sport driven town because that is all there is to do or you're swimming in the river end of story so I contribute the person I am with my upbringing and the lifestyle that I had which is magical I couldn't trade it for anything in the world and I wish that I could give it to my kids that I have now but as an adult it's just such a different it's just different. I don't know how my parents did it, to be honest with you. But for starters, in high school, we didn't have a girls soccer team. So freshman year, you played with the boys and they're aggressive. I mean, especially for a teenage girl, you're going through puberty. You're going through all the emotions like it's hard. And boys are just stronger. They just are. So there was a bunch of us girls that got together and we formed a women's soccer team at our high school, which they still have to this day. Um but that was hard for us because we were so used to playing with the boys that the first three women's schools that offered to play us, we got into fights with them in the locker rooms. And we got kicked out because we were so used to having to fend ourselves against the guys in soccer because um, most soccer teams didn't have girls. And so if we got playtime, I mean, we had to elbow. We had to fight to get the ball. We had to prove ourselves. Which I hate saying because I'm not like a total feminist. I'm not. I'm everyone's equal, but I'm not like I might get backlash for that. But I'm not a human. I'm not like a huge. I mean, um, women's right activist. Well, what, what do you think you're going to get backlash for? For that statement, which, for saying I, I feel a lot of times I'm going to get a lot of a lot of comments, I'm sure. But I feel like more women some days are woe is me, woe is me. I understand women don't get paid as much sometimes. And I do, I've been in the situation. I feel like, like I was a firefighter in high school, forestry. 
Really? You know, that's another thing. Wow. I have a lot of layers. It's that's very really interesting. Cool. That's really cool. But then again, I was a woman and it was very difficult. And just to bring the hose off of the engine was exhausting. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. It was hard, but they treated me harder because I was a woman. So I've seen both sides of that. Um, but I feel like women, a lot of women sometimes just complain a lot about over complain. And I'm like, stop complaining and just do something about it. Like, we did. We created a women's soccer team. So we didn't complain that we didn't have it. We just did it ourselves. We gathered the women. We went to the principal. We got our soccer team and we did it. We Our actions speak louder than our words. And I feel like sometimes words in some women, it's just they're, they want to whine, but they don't want to work. Mm. That, that I'm going to get the title. That should be the title for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you want to whine, but not work. Yeah. No, but do you think that that upbringing kind of cultivated that sense of drive and and hardness that you have? To, and when I say hardness, I mean that in a good way, work yeah. ethic. Yeah. Do you think that kind of cultivated that? Oh, with yeah. How you are today? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. And yeah, without a doubt. And here's the hard part. This is kind of off off subject, I guess, but kind of not because um, I mean, Kids these days have a different upbringing than you and I did. I mean, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have social media. We didn't have any of that. So our interactions with each other and having to just do things was our upbringing. So I feel like our work Mm. ethic stemmed from just having to do it. Like I couldn't go play with my friends until my chores were done. We're such a busy society now that, I mean, I'm guilty of it. My laundry was done on Sunday Guess what? It's Friday and it's still in my, it's clean. But did I fold it and put it away? Hell no, I didn't. <laughs> it's still sitting. That's a whole other monster. Where I took it out. <laughs> Washing and drying is one monster. Yes. The other monster is folding and putting it away. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But here's, here's, I'm trying to raise my kids as best as I know I was raised. I want to instill my work ethic in them. And it's really hard. Yesterday I was at the stoplight. I live kind of close to the high school. And there was, school had just gotten out and there was probably 20 kids crossing the street. Every single one of them, I actually filmed myself ranting and then I didn't post it because I was like, just let it go, just let it go. Um, Every kid crossing the street didn't even look to the left, didn't even look to the right and had their face and their phone crossing the street. It was just like they were robots. Mm. None of them. I looked I looked for one kid just so I could roll down my window and like give him a hundred dollars just to be like, thank you for looking both directions. Your parents did right. But none of them. And I knew like seven of them and I didn't want to say anything, but I was, my heart ached. I was like, and my kids are in eighth grade. They're in high school next year. They have what's called a gab phone. It's a, it's a, looks like a smartphone, but it's not. You can text, you can call and you can take really crappy photos on it. That's all. That's all. But my kids get hardcore made fun of for having that phone. Um, My one son doesn't even take his phone to school anymore because he gets made fun of. And I'm like, I need to be able to call you. (laughs) Like, we need to be able to communicate with each other because you're just of that. We're busy. We're a busy family. But he won't take it because he gets made fun of. So I'm like, at what point do you break down the peer pressure to fold to that for your kids because they're getting made fun of? You know, like cell phones are supposed to be a form of communication, especially when you're 12. There's no reason kids need to be on a social platform at that age. It's just that body dysmorphia and I agree unhealthy no, I agree. habits. It's 
I, you know, can you put a lock on certain, I guess, a lock screen on the time that you use apps, etc.? You can, but these kids are so smart. They know how to unlock it. They know how to oh, undo. Really? Oh, yeah. They're it's, so smart. Look, I would say that I don't have kids, obviously. and and But if I did, I would be a fucking tyrant with that. And it's hard. I'm be, telling you, it's and hard. I, and and uh, maybe some people would be like, well, you can't. And look. You can. Everybody I'm has their own it. ways of disciplining. Yeah. I would be, I would be pretty tough. I, I just would presuppose that based on how I, how I handle other things in life. Yeah. And, and that require discipline. I don't, I, I would, I'm, I'm, I, I, even though I don't have kids, I'm, st- I still feel that I would be the same way you are. I'm just trying speaking. to produce two amazing humans that contribute to society in some way. And that's through work ethic because I feel like those that have a work ethic are the ones that care about anything and getting stuff done. And that those are the ones that make a difference and an imprint mm-hmm. and the ones that don't care. <laughs> um, what are they contributing? And that's a hard, it's hard. It's so hard being a parent because it's not a nine to five. I think a lot of people think that as a parent, when they get to a certain age, you can clock out and you can give your son or daughter a device and you can go do whatever you want. You can go upstairs and watch your show. You can do whatever. No, it is a nine to five. Like you'd be shocked at how many people, and this has just turned into a parent podcast. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Like how many people don't even teach their kids how to cook. My kids make their own breakfast every day. I w- I'm there. I'm in the kitchen with them. I don't make it because I don't want them to go to college and not know life skills. Yeah. Do your laundry. Cook. I mean, they're, he's making egg in a basket. That's where you like cut a hole in the bread and you crack the. Oh, right. Right. Best breakfast ever. Yeah. That's so easy. It takes two minutes to make. My son has two of them every morning like clockwork. But I like that. He's his father. So <laughs> that one's going places. <laughs> what about the other one? Biggest heart, funniest, caring, very emotional child. And he's me. Oh, he still will hug me in front of his friends and say, I love you. And, um, yeah, biggest heart that kid, man, he's going to make an amazing husband someday. So what do you think makes a great husband? Oh, good question. Um, Because I've been with mine for almost 23 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. And I got to tell you, it doesn't feel like 23 years. So that's how I know we're doing something right. Um, I think someone who supports you and no matter what your decisions are, but it can can voice their concern and you have to be able and that. That's hard for women. It's almost like that corrective criticism. You have to be able to hash it out without resentment of that other partner telling you, I don't like this decision. you got to see it from their eyes and in their shoes, um, but still supporting them, uh, letting them be who they want to be, giving them space, but then giving them attention. Uh, I'll tell you the most romantic thing to this day that my husband does to me. And he does this every morning. Uh, I'm a huge coffee person. I can't go out a day without it. It's just my vice. Um, my, we'll get up at the same time. I'll hit snooze twice before I get out of bed. He's up. He's downstairs. And he brings me a cup of coffee every single morning. Aww. 
every morning. We have stairs. I don't want to go down those stairs. <laughs> like that is such a commitment. I like have to really need my coffee. But he will bring me my cup of coffee and he'll set it on the counter even if I've hit snooze and it's there and it's waiting and it's ready. And that's just such a small little thing that is so huge to me. So huge to me. I love that. That's most, there are a lot of men out there that would look at that like, well, that's me being submissive and I'm not going to be that. And I would argue against that because there are things that it's okay and it's actually applauded as a man in terms of when you're married to somebody or even if you have a girlfriend that you really care for, the, the, the coy, or I'm sorry, the, the key word in there is care. Like if you care, then you automatically want to do things that nurture or support that person. Yeah. You don't just look, I'm all about staying in your masculine energy. I'm all about that. I mean, I think that I wouldn't be a man if I opposed that. Yeah. Nobody wants to see me dress up in heels and a purse and go shopping. <laughs> okay. So I stay in my masculine energy, <laughs> but <laughs> now I have that image. Thank you. <laughs> but <clears throat> But when you care for a person, you automatically want to do yeah. little things like that. Yeah. And they're not, it's not like you're subjugating your masculinity no. at any point. You're just, you're showcasing, you care for this woman, especially if it's a mother of your children or you've been married to them for, for such a, you know, for a period of time. It doesn't matter. Like you're showcasing your care and that's important to do as a man. You've got to find ways to play. Still, that's one thing I would say that is huge. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I'm the one who takes the lead on that. I mean, he's a man that's not really in your guys' DNA. But what I have learned that has been a huge successor for us is you take a new relationship, for example. Any new relationship, whether it's a friendship or um, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife situation. With Those first six months are butterflies, excitement. You want to talk to that person. You want to hang out with that person. You want to laugh with that person. That excitement is that play stage. And if you let that play go, then the magic is gone. So I always in my head after about six months of, you know, right now we're steering the ship together because we got two teens that are just busy. They're playing four sports right now. I work full time. He works full time. How do you keep that play and that romance alive? Because that's when you become roommates and the mm. romance dies. Mm. And then what are what relationship do you have? So. I take the lead sometimes and for in, for example, he's probably going to hate me for saying all of this, but whatever. Um, I, we have a tiny, tiny little stuffed, it's plastic penguin and we hide it around the house for each other in areas that we know he's going to, like I'll put it in the bottom of my coffee cup and I know when he goes, because I, I drink the same coffee cup every morning and I know when he goes to grab that, he's going to find it and he's going to smile and he's going to giggle because he knows I'm thinking of him at a time he I didn't voice to him. So knowing that that person, that human is on your mind without having to express it is that play. I leave him notes in his jacket pocket in the car. Um, you got to do weird things. We go for a walk together at night every single night around our block. It's one loop. It takes five minutes. But that's our time when we put the kids to bed and we kind of connect. And even if we don't talk, there's nights we don't even talk. That's the one thing I, that he pisses me off about him. He's not a big talker. Shocker if you know him. He says two words. <laughs> um, I, can I can pull that out of him. But just being present with one another 
Um, and taking that two minute walk is huge, huge. You connect. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that he doesn't talk a lot because I remember <laughs> we would train. You should be a professional mime. <laughs> like, what are you I, doing, Andy? I remember we were training, and there were days where, like, he would greet me with like a smile, "What's up, buddy?" And and then that would That's be a lot. basically yeah. Well, and then we start working <laughs> out, and then it was just, it was just crickets, man. And it's like, but then again, it's like we're not there to just chit chat. Like we right. train, and we liked to train and right. we like to train together in that well I'm assuming they train me we train for like years together like a couple years together so yeah. look the fact that when when he said when he said something to me I it obviously is is assuring yeah you know that like okay we're friends <laughs> he but, says I talk enough for both of us I'm like what does that mean <laughs> yeah but then he would like not say anything and I'm like I just learned I guess think I picked that up like like you obviously understand and not that it wasn't about me or anything else. It was just that's just the way Andy is. Yeah. And if you know his background, it explains a lot. So um, a lot of people don't know that he's Japanese. So uh, if you see his mom, she's a four foot something straight Japanese woman. His grandmother was born, raised, only spoke um, Japanese like there's no um, and his mom raised him and his brother alone from the time he was two uh, and his mom had to work two jobs morning and night so he really took care of himself from the time he was five years old he was walking to school he was learning how to cook like he raised himself and that's not a detriment to his mother I'm not saying anything negative his mom's amazing but she did what she had to do to provide for her and her, for him and his brother Um that's a very lonely childhood. Huge. And you learn to put up walls quick. Um, and I remember when we got married, his mom said to me, I don't know how you did it, but you broke his wall. And it took, I mean, Andy and I were together for 10 years before we got married. We met, I met him on his 18th birthday, his actual birthday. <laughs> um, and we've been together ever since, which is in October. Um, but he was quiet. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You just know when you find your person, you know, you just know it. And in, the first thing I ever said when I saw him, sorry, mom and dad, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> um, is I smacked my roommate. We were at the pool at the dorms in college and I looked at him and I locked eyes and I was like, holy shit, I'm having his babies. <laughs> And I jinxed us because we have twins. So there's that. But I just knew and I was able to break down his wall. I don't know. I don't know how or why, but we complement each other very well. well. I think it's disparity. It's the disparity between you two. Disparity attracts. Yeah. You know, not yeah. similarities. Yeah. And I mean, it's work. I don't want to I don't want to go on here and say that my marriage is absolute blissful and perfect and wait to find your person like I have, because that's not. You have to work. It's work. Sure. 100%. Well, for the women out there that are single and like in their 30s, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh, that's hard. And they're looking for a man. They're they're out there cuz I mean, I train a lot of girls and they're that's around the age gap that we're training and or that I'm seeing mostly. Um and I would say the hardest part is the dating apps right now. Because you hear that 
the same it's the same thing from every single one of them that I hear everyone's dated everyone it's a small town but I I hear it's a small town even in LA and New York these massive cities you hear these people say it's a small town it's a small town I am a true believer in finding someone organically but I understand that that's real hard like it's hard to you know, go grocery shopping or go to a bar by yourself or like, where do you find this person at that age? Because most people are already at home and they're sitting there and that is the only way to find somebody right now is on an app. But I feel like these apps are such a false, I can't, a false identity, I guess, even though I can't really say that because I've never been on one. Thank God. I've never had to. Um, and you know, apps weren't a thing when I met my husband, but I feel like all of my friends and there's don't get me wrong. There's been I have tons of friends that have found their person on an app and they have a very happy, healthy, successful relationship. So that can there, there is good that can come from that. Um, I think. I think just if you're in if you're out in the world and you see somebody that's attracted to you and you lock eyes, because I think that's a huge key. I feel like girls if there's a difference between smiling for a second and a gaze, but if someone locks eyes with you while you're in the grocery store and you notice that they don't have a ring on their hand or they might be interested because the girls are going to glance. They're going to glance a little bit longer. They're going to maybe take a second look. Um, that's when you can maybe strike up a conversation. Look at what's in their shopping cart. Be like, hey, I've, have you tried that? Strike up a conversation. You just never know where that's going to lead. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to give dating advice because I never dated. I mean, I only dated in high school and you're a child. You don't know. But you hear a lot in your boot camps I with do. your girls. And so and I'm sure you have your input or suggestions, even if you don't voice them. Because I'm a girl and I, I, I can put myself in the shoes of if I was in the dating world, how would I want to be approached? How would I find somebody? I mean, I don't think that way because <laughs> I am happily married, but... From a girl's perspective, I think men don't approach girls enough because they're maybe afraid of disappointment or being let down or thinking it's a creeper vibe. I definitely think in the gym, it's a creepy vibe. I'm not going to lie. Girls go to the gym to work out for multiple reasons. A, you're either there in scandalous clothing and you want that attention but I don't know that that's the one you want to bring home. <laughs> Is that going to be a serious relationship? Yeah, right. Or there's the ones that are in there to really get healthy and work out and they don't want to be bugged in the gym. Or there's those ones that maybe they're, maybe something can sprout from that. Or, Well, we were talking off mic a little bit about how men and women are different. Yeah, we had some good conversations before we and we <laughs> hopped on here. We should have recorded that. <laughs> yeah. However... Segwaying into kind of, I guess, what we talked about into this other topic, that the fact is women get so much attention yeah. that they're easy. It's easy for them to repel yeah. other men when they when they are not in the best of environment. Yeah. Whereas you can approach a man at a porta potty. He'll talk to you. <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> he will love to talk. You could you could do that. And then like the thing is, is that even a top tier man that yeah. has money, status, cars, whatever, like even business, etc. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Women 
will not give him attention or he will have far less attention than the most average woman on the planet. Agreed. And that's that's the reason why when men go approach a woman, it takes a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot. Even if you, even if by society standards, you may be an attractive man, yeah. still takes a lot from you, man. Yeah. So it takes a lot for that. So when he does go approach him and it might be in the wrong environment or maybe they're, Maybe they're just not feeling like talking that day or what have you. And they reject him. It bruises him internally. <laughs> and that's what. But here's a. And, and we're. We might get. I mean, I don't know what I can and can't say on this. Anything. This, you say anything. All right. All right. Yeah. So breaking down. So here. Because this is part of the conversation we had a little bit. Um, talking before we got jumped on the mic. So that's an interesting point. Because. Let's break it down to sex, for instance, because um, we I was talking about how it's so different for men and women. And for men, when it comes to sex, they can just ha- do the act and they're done. And and that is they can switch their brain off. But for women, we need that attention. We need that time after and before we need to be like we need to feel like the queen bee. And for whatever reason, women cannot flip that switch um, to just like that is for for instance, if you're doing a booty call, I guess if you're just having a friend that's just, you know, you're just hooking up. It's very easy for men, but it's not for women. So it's interesting that it's flipped. If you get what I'm saying mm. on as far as going up and talking to a woman, to a woman mm-hmm. like men get want all that attention and women it's just a flip of a switch we just don't don't want to be rejected i don't (laughs) think it's about attention we just don't want to be rejected and the the best thing i think that you can do as a man is if you are interested in a woman and you see her at a grocery store or what have you i mean there are multiple ways to approach a woman yeah but if you just approach her genuinely in an authentic way when given the option do i go up to her and i pay her an authentic compliment she's not going to possibly receive it in the way that it, or in the place that it's coming from for me i get that and that's putting me in a vulnerable position and me as a man i'm not vulnerable i'm going to yeah. suppress that vulnerability if anything so i'm just going to i'm just going to take the loss provided that it would be a loss yeah and just go on my way there are a few women in my life that I've come across that I know that, well, I don't know are single, but they seem to be single yeah. out in the space, of, uh, out in society. And I'm just, I want to tell them, I just think they're beautiful. But what does that do? If I tell them you're beautiful, if I tell them that I think that they're beautiful and then I ask their name and I have that info, I have that now and I paid that compliment. That actually makes me feel good yeah. because I actually want, I'm carrying through with something yeah. that I, that I feel as, that I feel of value. Look, I feel like that's being yourself too. And the worst, if you think really what the worst outcome of that can be is if, if she's a human that has some morals and values, then she would just say, thank you. That's amazing. So kind of you. And then she would lead with like, Either I have a boyfriend or I'm taken. I appreciate that. Or they're just going to say no. But you just have to learn to swallow your pride at that point. It's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And the men that are listening, I hope you pay attention. (laughs) Because that is really all it's chalked up to. You have to accept the fact that there is a no, a possible no. And look, 
And really, is that that bad? And look, it, and this is the thing. Men have to do more of this. Approach. Dishes. Approach. This is going to sound very bad, but approach less than average looking women and test the waters on them. Because here's the thing. When you accrue so much of this, I shouldn't say that. When you, when you ask that question or not ask the question, but you go out and put yourself on the ledge so many times and you may get rejected so many times. If you do it only with pretty, pretty top tier women, you're going to get, you're going to feel really bad about yourself in that situation. But <laughs> if you build up an accrual of threes and fours and fives telling you like, you know, up going with you, like, like saying, Oh, that's oh Thank you. And like, you know, stroking your ego in the same sense. Yeah, but I have to disagree with you on that one. And I'll tell you how and why. Because I feel like then you're lowering your bar for yourself. I feel like if you go to the gym and you want to do hip thrusters because you want a large ass, because I mainly deal with that. So, um, and and you say 200 pounds is too heavy. Like that's your, your 10 girl. And you try it and, and you try it again and you keep trying and it's too heavy and it's too heavy. And then you go down to 100 pounds and that's your four level girl. You can do that and you've accomplished that. But have you accomplished gaining the strength in your glutes that you need to create that voluptuous behind that you want? No. But do you keep trying those 200 pounds until one day that 10 girl says yes to you and that one day your glutes grow bigger and that 200 pounds is nothing? So do you keep trying and trying, okay. you know, that's a beautiful illustration. That sounds really good on paper, <laughs> but in real life, it doesn't work out. And oh. you know, the, the problem with that, like I, I, I absolutely adore the illustration, Yeah. but at the same time, the reason why I say accrue numbers, like accrue the accrue. I get you. I get what you're saying. Let, let, let this is a numbers thing with yeah. men, at least with the ego. So with, yeah, with the ego that. being, being slashed essentially by pretty women that tell him no, yeah, you better build up the ego with all these threes, fours, and fives so that you have somewhat of a confidence going into the I and just practice. That. It's basically practice. You're just practicing here. And if you, but if you've never practiced, then you're going to go up to the 10 and you're going to flop and that's <laughs> going to be a fucking problem. So... <laughs> I, I, okay, I can understand But then that. again, you may go up to a 10 and she may love you. But what I've also learned is that women, even if they think you're attractive and they're single and all these things are all these, like you meet all the criteria for them. Yeah. They might still even say no. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Man would be like, fuck yeah. Girls are crazy. They would, I mean, <laughs> they, seriously, they wouldn't, well, we're all crazy in our different regards, yeah. right? But it's like. We would, we would obviously, we wouldn't say fuck yeah, like, you know, but I will but tell would, you girls do like a chase. They like a challenge. They like that. They want girls are messed up. I tell you, we want that attention. We want to feel like number one, but we also girls like assholes. I hate saying that, but they 100% do. I know you've heard that before. We like the chase. We want to know that you're difficult and that we got you, but we also want to feel like you're queen at the same time. But if you smother us and give us too much attention, that's a total turnoff. It's a very finite line. Just 
in comparison to what we also were talking about earlier is for you and I, we call each other mediums in the fitness industry because we're not trying to be huge and bulky and like mega muscles, but then you don't want to be skinny and strong or skinny and weak and depleted. So we're in that finite medium area. Um, I feel like that's relationships too. You got to float in that medium. And it's it's going below, it's understanding how to get there and going up and then going down and then floating where you know you need to be. Well, where do you think the problem for most women is in terms of attracting the man? That's hard because here's where it's interesting because a lot of women, believe it or not, looks isn't everything. Women are super attracted to people who can make them laugh, people who make them feel beautiful, and people who who can communicate. Those are like our top, we don't care if you're bald at all, not even a little bit. Some women do, maybe when they're in their 20s, they care. I don't. I certainly don't. That doesn't, I don't care two shits if you're bald. Um, How do you make me feel? How do, do we laugh? do you know I'm telling you right now women want somebody who washes the dishes without being told um straight up like but also still being a little bit of an asshole which my husband's asshole with not communicating he doesn't communicate obviously we've already talked about that that's the most frustrating part in our marriage for me um and he's learning to get better at that but but do I want that too because that's where we're at that good level of he pisses me off, but I'm so turned on by that. You know, it's fucked up. <laughs> like, well, it's it's definitely what you're attracted to. It's what and men are attracted to femininity. So we're attracted yeah. to beauty, youth. It matters support. more to men how your woman looks and is presented. I think. Yes, than- because it's a status upgrade for him. Yeah, I get that. And yeah. and that's that's essentially what probably drew you to in part what drew you to your man was his status oh I was I I mean I still am but I was insanely attracted to him off the gate like I 100% was like holy tall dark can't like ugh, I'm still turned on by him like insane amounts it's but you've learned to grow at a different I mean we age I have wrinkles he's lost his hair None of that matters to either of us, though. But we both really work hard to keep in shape for each other. I mean, We're, I really work hard. You don't have wrinkles. I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> you do not have wrinkles. The lighting in here. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but the the reason why I get on that topic is because it, I'm almost timid to even get on the topic. No. But... True. A huge part, you're saying guys being assholes is what attracts most women. A little bit. Right. So I would agree with you on that. What, why do you think it's the asshole nature that draws them to them? The chase. It's the game. It's. Okay. So do you think that a man that not runs away from the woman, but is, but is playing hard to get, do you think he's playing hard to get because he doesn't have any options? Or do you think he's playing hard to get because he has options and he doesn't really care about you because you're number three on the list? Yeah, I think. I, I, I mean, so it, then is it safe to say that women love men who have options? Ooh, 
I mean, I would definitely say with this younger generation, yeah, because social media is such a factor. I don't think when Andy and I got together, um, there was no social media. There was no third party um, influence. Nowadays, somebody can DM you without even knowing you and give you a flirtatious comment that you get excited about and are like, oh, wait, what? Like putting that thought in your mind when that thought originally should never be there and wasn't there because you didn't have that, Mm. you know? So I would say with this younger generation from what I've heard from my girls, um, you know, when we're shooting the shit in the studio, yeah. Like I, I can't even, my mind gets blown because I was such a traditional, uh, we met in college we had fun. We dated and for five years. We got engaged for five years and then we got married and then we had kids. Like I'm the very traditional, typical story of how it goes, which I hold so near and dear. And every single day we just had this conversation last night in bed and I said, how did we get so lucky? How do we get so lucky? But because we both work hard at it. I feel like people don't work at relationships anymore. One thing goes wrong and they're, they throw in the towel and they're like, that's it. There's plenty of other people. I got a DM from someone last night. He wants me. I'm going to go for that. Right. So you're referring to women. Yeah. Like I have the DM. It's okay. Women have multiple options. Oh, right. We were talking I would say about, more than men. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about earlier. There's actually studies that have been done on this. It's crazy really? to, to understand this, that I think Instagram might've done it. I forgot Instagram or, or Twitter. It was top tier men compared to the amount of DMS that they had top tier men, like blue check mark, blue check mark, verified, like have status in the community, et cetera, compared to average women with like under a thousand followers. And the average women had far more DMS than the, than the top tier men. No kidding. And it's, it's, it's no surprise to us because in real life we see this play out. Yeah. It's, it's, you may have a woman here and there, but in juxtaposition to the women that are, and I went I don't mean disparaging by saying average, yeah. but when you have these average in juxtaposition to these average women, you're no comparison, man. They have far too many options, which is the reason why they can easily tell men no or, or just be very, very deflective and or repel men because they have so many options. Yeah. Well, if you're Drake or Future, you have so <laughs> many options. You're not caring about yeah. saying no to a woman because you have 15 others lined up. Yeah. And so it's like these average women are Drakes and Futures all around. And I think the hard part is that I feel like it really stems how you were brought up and again back to your work ethic because I feel like if you have a a really good strong work ethic in all things in life your work ethic is enough to say no to those temptations um, no matter what bar none you have your person and you push that aside you don't even click on it you don't even give in to that temptation and I feel that's where I feel so grateful to have the upbringing and the the small childhood that I had because I feel like that's instilled and granted I mean um I'm a woman yeah I get hit on from time to time but I don't as much as you I guess 
would assume that I do, um, especially because I don't wear my ring a lot because I'm in the fitness industry and I'm lifting weights every day and you can't. Your ring gets caught on. I mean, I could lose my finger. I've seen it happen. People's fingers get smashed and ripped off because your ring gets caught. It's it's no good. Um, so I don't wear my ring a lot. Um, so I get hit on, obviously, a little bit more when that situation. But I'm always grateful for that I'm always like thank you so much I'm married I don't have my ring on but I appreciate that but I'm very nice in you know it's very nice to be desired and complimented even without expecting anything in return Mm. you know like I feel confident and comfortable in my relationship to tell somebody a guy or a girl that they look beautiful I'm I'm do that all the time especially when I'm in Trader Joe's I'll be like oh my god you look handsome today or oh I'll walk by someone and say you smell so good like, you know, and that's all that it is. But that little compliment can change somebody's day. Oh, absolutely. You've always been really good at that. You've always been really good at paying compliments to people. I've seen it firsthand in the gym, you know, and I don't you're you're right. Like there are lots of women that are going to be just like you. They're going to they're going to receive the compliment well and say thank you and just move on their merry way. I don't think there's a lot of women that would be very stringent towards males coming up yeah. to them and you know no. being harsh i don't believe that but that then obviously they do exist but what do you think what do you think allows a woman to have the best chance of acquiring a man oh gosh um this is a relationship podcast, by the way. We've we've shifted <laughs> no, we we've shifted yeah. platforms. We you know it's no funny? longer true from the chest. It's straight into the relationships. <laughs> we were but this is real, it's just what we're talking about today. Um, although before we got on here, we were strictly talking about fit health and fitness, and we had some good conversation back and forth. And he's like, We gotta be filming this. And then it went into children and motherhood <laughs> and things, and now we're just straight relationships. But I think that it is important because I feel like um, as a human race, connection, human connection is dying. We're such a digital world down to I was just telling you I was on my way here from the high school had just gotten out and 20 kids had all crossed the streets and not a single one of the kids looked left to right before they crossed. They just saw the feet in front of them go. So they went and their faces were in their cell phones and it was like robots. And my heart just was like, Ugh. so like it's important for me because I have twin twin boys who are off to high school next year and I hate saying this and I hope they don't see this right now but um 14 I mean kids are having sex before 14 but 14 is like I know I don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it (laughs) it's not happening in my house (laughs) but I mean I had sex at 15 and that was like fucking 30 years no not 30 I was like 20 years ago 14 I'm not gonna lie but I graduated when I was 17 so I was a freshman in high school that's my kids in nine months and that I can't wrap my brain around so it's how humans are created. It's a part of life. Mm-hmm. So it's not as much as we frown on it, which is crazy because it is how we reproduce. Um, and it's a form of uh, it's important for any relationship. I don't care who you are, but yeah. you've got that has to be a huge factor in every relationship. You have to have that connection. Um, but I mean, I, it's just important. I, I want to raise two kids that can be amazing fathers someday and amazing partners, even if they choose not to be 
to have kids, that's okay. I support that 100%. I just want my kids to treat their partner with respect and give them interaction and conversations. And it's important. It's so important. Touch. Physical human touch before sitting there and DMing somebody, getting aroused that way, and then meeting up, doing it, and then going away. What did you gain from that? You Mm. got your endorphin kick for 10 seconds, but... What else? Have you built a connection? That's why relationships I feel with these young girls now in my studio aren't lasting. Because you're getting hot and frisky with this DM situation and you're talking and you're like, oh yeah. Then you meet up, the act is done, you split your ways and what did you really learn about that person? Did you get to know them? Did you get to laugh? Did you get to giggle? Yeah, I think that women need to be more discerning in that regard. Like, you say you act, you meet up, you do the thing, and then you. So I'm assuming that's like first date sex. Yeah. Right. So yeah. That, From what I've been told, I don't know right, any of these right. things really, but you know that that's crazy to me that a woman would allow the man, uh, you know, the key, so to speak, the first date when she doesn't even really know if this is going to last. The thing is, it is happens that a lot. Like, it, I'm shocked. It, it does, I'm it does. literally so old school that I'm just like, what? I mean, look, <laughs> I, I, I can contest. I've been on the receiving end of that. Yeah. But at, this, at the same time, I knew that that woman was just fun. She wasn't long term. And as long as you both agree to that and knew sure, that, that's, sure. there's nothing wrong with that. But you said that women get wrapped up in emotions and things of that nature. Like yeah, they we want. Do. So that wouldn't really bode well for a woman to to just extend herself that way right out the rip. You know, she would want, she should make the guy wait. And there is admiration. If you're the right man, you'll admire the woman for making you wait. I'll admire the woman if she made me wait. Yeah. Even though, yes, I want sex. I'm a man. We all want sex. But at the same time, I admire you so much more if you do make me wait. Now, (laughs) here's the double-edged sword there. If you didn't make other people wait and you gave up, you gave it up right away and you had a high body count, but now you're making me wait Ah. to, to me. I mean, I know you may have changed and this is maybe a different different evolved person that is now not why I don't want to be that person anymore, Justin. I don't want to be that girl. I want to change. I want to want you to be something that's special to me. I want this to be special. I think this is long-term then. Okay. Perhaps it's still hard for a man to receive that knowing that his counterparts or rather his peers received it. But shouldn't that be a form of flattery that you're different, that you may mean more to that? It should be. But I think that that discerning nature that's different now with the woman is based on her Mm. wanting to be different. Mm. So now I'm having to adopt a different, more evolved, yet, I mean, arguably so a more evolved person that's good, but... I still don't. This is a long well, way. Hard. This is a long window way of saying. Yeah. A man doesn't want a woman with a high body count. Yeah. You can go talk to multiple men and say, "Hey, look, would you?" Some men don't care. It's like some men don't care if you have a high body count. Oh God. Other men. There's a reason why men will typically not feel like wifing a porn star or somebody <laughs> in the sex industry. Yeah. Because. 
it is not something that they want to relive or rehash two years down the line when they, you know, they're seeing videos of their woman or they hear about their woman with somebody oh, else, etc. But, you know, to some degree, you have to understand that women are going to be with other men before you, especially if they're getting, you know, they're getting yeah. into their 30s. Yeah. I think if it bothers should, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't want to know. True. I mean, I am not a, I can't speak to this topic at all because I've been with my husband since I was 18. Um, and no one else. So, I mean, that's speaking outside my comfort, but I feel like through the girls that I train at the studio, I'm exposed to enough of it because I'm basically a therapist <laughs> also. <laughs> um, that I hear the different stories and scenarios and I try to be a listening ear and try to give them advice, but I can't because I'm not in that situation. But I also feel like if you don't want to know don't ask if you feel like that's going to make or break your relationship and you love the way that it's going don't even ask just assume the role that you want to think if you think he's only slept with one other person then carry that don't even ask do women care about how many women a man has slept with oh i think so but not all of them i mean the new generation is very more carefree and wild and very different from when I grew up. I mean, I laugh at those TikToks that you see when like back in the 90s, us dancing at dances, we were shoulder tapping and dancing, you know, and now these 12 year olds are twerking like better than I can. And I'm like, God damn, can you teach me that? Like, and that's not OK. Like, you know, like that's funny. So we kind of we OK, so we kind of like segued into a different a different topic. But I the question still remains. Okay. What does a woman have to do to attract a man? What should she possess characteristic wise? I think you have to carry a little bit of grace with yourself. I think you have to, I think nowadays girls like the trend is no bras and more skin. And I'm not just saying that because of my age and I think, you know, I'm older, but I think being sexy and having tight clothes on, you can portray that sexiness without showing everything. I feel like if you are put together well and dressed well, like they say, dress the part, be the part, feel the part. I feel like if you dress um, sexual or but classy, that shows you have confidence but are pretty much a bad bitch. Like... You know, I feel like if there's a girl who's wearing a very low cut shirt and she has no bra on and it's a crop top and her ass cheeks are hanging out, that speaks the volumes of characteristics. I mean, yeah, you're going to look. I'm even going to look because it's all out there. Um, but so be more conservative with the dress ish. Right. Like, I don't care if you wear a skin tight dress. But, like, just don't have everything hanging out to show. I feel like that's a little bit of respect to your partner as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'm sitting here, my boobs are out a little bit, but not fully out. You know, this is what I wore to work. I came straight from work. But, like, it's sexy enough to show my figure that I fucking work hard for, but it's respectful to my husband. And it shows, like, you know, I could have those short, short booty shorts on and just a sports bra on. And not to say, I mean, if you work hard for that, wear that. Yes, do it. Go you. But I'm also not trying to get a man because I have one. So would you wear would you wear stuff like that if you were trying to get a man? Oh hell yeah, one hundred percent. But now that you have one, 
that's not a thought a res- in your mind. Not even respect a little issue, bit. Right. Hundred percent. Right. Hundred percent. And I wear shorts. I mean, I wear shorts to the gym, but you never see my ass cheeks. You never see my boobs out. I'm never in a just a sports bra. If I'm working out in my studio, I'm in just a sports bra, but I will never go to the gym in just that. And I get that. Just wearing a sports bra and pants, there's nothing wrong with that. I still think that that's classy and sexy to a degree. If you're in, if you work hard, show it. Yeah. But like the full everything out there for the world, I feel like is if you have a man at what respect I don't know. I might get backlash for that too, but I'm well, I mean, it's all personal. School. It's yeah, yeah, and it's just personal preference. So how you and really how you how you operate when you have a man is starkly different than how you operate when you don't have a man. Oh, totally. Because I'm telling you, if I wasn't married and and happily married, I mean, I would 100. You'd see me in the shortest shorts and sports bra out there hitting the gym for six hours, not 20 minutes. <laughs> That's all I got right now. It's crazy that you uptake, that you, uh, you keep, you retain your physique for only 20 minute trainings. 20 minutes. It's nuts. Seven days a week though. Sundays I typically will go hard for a little bit longer, but for the most part I'm running in, but I'm not BSing. I'm not, there's little rest periods of time and I work hard. Really hard. Yeah. And I love that about you that you have that work ethic and it's not just in business but you take it into your training too, because a lot of people, even, even I was talking to this, I was talking about this to Danny the other day on the podcast is like, I see a lot of kids, but like, but men, you know, approaching manhood and they're and or men in the gym that are training and they just don't train hard and they just, they, they just are, they're very, I, there's no other word to say, but they're pussies. They just train like pussies most of the time. And it's, it's not even in training. We're raising pussies. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it, that's true. And I don't know why it's a thing now for kids to, or for kids, for, for, for men to not do the compound lifts anymore. Yeah. It's like they're doing isolated shit. They're getting on like the, like they're getting, they're doing just Fluffy really stuff. pansy workouts. Yeah. I see a lot of women train harder than men because they, I mean, I was just in the gym yesterday for my 20 minutes and there was three, uh, maybe young, young, young college age boys and they were bench pressing, but their form wasn't good. It's not my place to step in. Um, but it was more for the camera. They were taking turns camera Mm. and, and filming each other, which that's, a whole nother topic I can get on, but I feel like everyone thinks that they're a fitness Instagrammer and everyone has to film their workouts now and they're more into filming their actual workouts than their actual workout. And I, that is my pet peeve. I'm at the gym. I only have 20 minutes. I do my three exercises. I wipe the machine. I move on to the next. And these guys are sitting on the bench press for 45 minutes, making sure that they get the exact perfect content the exact perfect face and quickly load that weight really quick. So it looks like we lifted more, but they're not even cared about getting injured or getting bigger or getting healthier or stronger. It's all for the gram. Yeah. And it's ego derived at that point. I mean, when they, until they reach a, a, a wiser age, it's going to be about oh, e- yeah. everything that they, that is predicated in terms of what they do in life is going to be yeah. predicated off of ego. So true. I, I've been there too. I was there without, Actually, without Instagram, though, when I was younger, I didn't have Instagram. No, we didn't. I that was a good thing. 
Yeah. I think is a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing to connect with people and it's mm-hmm. a good thing to build a platform, but it's also can be a bad thing at times, depending on how it uh, works out oh, yeah. for you. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting off topic just a little bit. I want to go back to yeah. the point where we were talking about what makes a woman more attractive to, or what, what, how can a woman att- attain a man? So you mentioned being more conservative. I feel, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can contest no, no, no. to that. I'm- no, I agree. With, okay, so I agree with you with the conservative part. But I'm, I'm looking now more to know about internally how they, their mental psychology, how they interact, how they interface with a man, what morals or values they come to the, they bring to the relationship. What do, what does, what is, what do you believe is going to have them attain a man based on those to want to keep them around predicates like. The moral constituents and and rather not only moral constituents, but I guess the way that they operate and the way that they interact and the way that they receive, etc. I mean, I think that is going to be different per each person and each couple and and down to what religion, because religion is a huge, huge make it or break it for a lot of couples. Um, and and I think that's something that has to be tabled right away. Um, and, and if you're not on the same page as them, religion-wise, then I, I don't care how passion passionate you are in the like the, those that play stage, those first six months, yeah, it's going to be blissful. It's amazing. It's new. It's fresh. It's everything. But after that, then you're going to have to deal with it th- knowing that, oh, shoot, what is... You know, I don't know if I can believe in this or religion is one thing I have heard a lot of complaints about in in my class with the women. Um, And that's hard. So I think religion is one. You have to be on point. Um, And I think the way that a man communicates, again, shows a lot about who he is as and his character. And that can tell a woman like how how long they can stay around. Can I rely on this person? Can I trust this person? Can I tell them everything? Am I going to be able to get feedback without being judged, supported? Back to, I told you, the biggest thing for for me and my husband is he is my number one supporter no matter what. He doesn't always agree with me, but he supports me no matter what. And I don't even know how you get a guy like that anymore. Um, But he does, and that's huge. Okay, but how does a woman attract a man, though? Because those are good points. But the one point about the man doing for the woman, that would be how he would attract her or how he would retain her. So how does a woman so how attract does a, a man? Woman, how does a woman attract a man and keep a man, in your, in your opinion? Well, for a man, I think out the gate, that's a sexual attraction, hands down. I mean, for men, if you're not sexually attracted, you're not even going to pursue her, hands down. Mm. I mean, I believe that. So um, I think you have to find that human attractive first, for starters. And then I think the conversation. I think, are you able to hang around this person? Do they make you laugh? Do they, um, can you, do you have anything in common? I think that's a huge thing. Like, are you a major outdoor, like, I grew up, in Yosemite. I'm a major outdoor. I would rather go hiking 
and camping in a tent in the dirt any day of the week than go to a trip to Vegas. This is not my scene. Yeah, I want to go with the girls. I've gone with the girls. That's fun. I want to shake my butt for 24 hours, but that's it. Camping, I could camp for a week in the woods. But that's my upbringing, and that's who I am hardwired, and Andy's on the same level as that. Um, I'm not a huge drinker. I don't drink a lot. So does your partner drink? It, it boils down to having are, – are you do you have enough things in common – with each other, yet differences to counterbalance each other, where that asshole aspect comes into play, um, is huge. You gotta have things in common, I think, for starters, because you're not gonna go anywhere if you if you don't enjoy doing the things. Like if I hated camping and Andy loved camping, that's a problem, hands down. Mm. I mean, I love going dancing. Andy hates it, but it's but on the other hand, it's not a problem. He's like, whatever, have fun. Right. But that's that supportive side of him. He doesn't even second guess. He's just like, call me if you need me to pick you up. Yeah. That's supportive. What do you think has, in your experience, has helped you retain the husband you have? What do you, in other words, what do you think men want from women? From what you've gathered being married for two, over two decades, right? Or two decades? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have to even ask him that. Like, because that's putting my mind in a man's mind, which you just can't do as a female. No, but you know what what he responds good to. Yeah. Right. So what are some of those things? He's old school. He likes to come home to a clean house, hands Mm -hmm. down. So I make sure no matter how tired I am before he walks in, I get home five minutes before him. The key ladies is to pour bleach in all the toilets and down the sink. <laughs> house smells real clean. <laughs> I love it. So start there and then run the vacuum, th- fluff the pillows, you're good. But I know that he has had a he has a very stressful job. He has a stressful day and he gives himself. Um so I know for him to come home to a clean house, that's one way I can show him that I listen to him that he is way less stressed coming home to a clean environment versus stuff everywhere, the counter full of stuff. I've listened to that. And so even I I don't even sit down for a second. I'll run through the house. I'll throw things away in the drawers. I'll fold the blanket on the couch. I'll fluff the pillows. I'll wash the dishes or throw them in the dishwasher. And it only takes me 10 minutes. You can get your house spotless in 10 minutes if you run around like a tornado. And it doesn't matter if it gets undone when the kids get home and he gets home but for him to walk home to a clean house makes him feel fulfilled Mm. so that's what I can do for him like he brings me my cup of coffee which seems so small but is so big to me oh I love that no I love that so big I I Whenever I, if ever I get married, I'm going to do that. You have that to, because I'm be, telling you. That it's is going to be the thing. Game changing. That's so cool. Game changing. And the first time he did it, I didn't even ask. He just did it. And that, but I made it such a big deal and said it over and over again for like two weeks. I was like, I really liked when you bring me my copy. Like really liked it. Like a lot. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he take he obviously takes. That and not just into consideration, but he takes that really. He 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 listens. He, he absorbs, yeah, and that's very important to him. That's mm. very valuable. To yeah, him. very. Okay, so what else? Um, clean house. Clean, clean house, house for sure. I mean, Andy. It's 
it's funny. I used to cook a lot every single meal. I meal prepped. I made sure he I was the wife who had breakfast, lunch and dinner. I was uh, they called me the tortilla factory because I would have breakfast burritos wrapped and stacked in the fridge. I would have um you know, his chicken, rice, and sweet potatoes in individual containers. I had dinner hot and ready and fresh. But that was the 10 years I didn't work. Um, And that was my duty as a wife, which I felt obligated to. He worked all day. My job, which he valued as a job, was to cook and clean and take care of the kids, even though I didn't get a paycheck. You know, that was my... Oh my gosh, that's misogynistic. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, that's where we're so old school. Yes, and that's, but that is of massive utility. And, okay, so that's how I perceive, or I rather see that as well. What do you think your girlfriends are going to hear, or when they hear you say that, what do you think they're going to react like when they say, when you hear the, when they hear you say, it was my duty, it was my job to my, my, uh, my sort of obligation, I felt. Yeah. To cook clean and keep the house Hundred nice. percent. That was my job. Um, I might get backlash from from that a little bit, but I think m- more I, handful of my friends I think would agree with that. They feel that. However, it is are those women married? Yeah, yeah, yes. I would say interesting. Yes. So the women that are probably not married, not all, but are the women that in your experience, the women that are not married, sing a different tune. Yeah. But I'll tell you when the shift is made is when you have kids. Mm. Um, Because until I had kids, I was a hard worker. Um, And even before that, I still made sure that dinner, breakfast, lunch, I was the cook. I was I was the cook of the house. I did everything. I'm I'm the barbecuer, um, all the things. Um, But I felt like that was my role as his wife. I just felt like it was. And maybe it was because he makes far the funds to provide our comfortable life. Um, and maybe I just felt like that was my, like I worked, but I didn't make enough to make a living for the both of us. So maybe that was just my way of contributing. Um, mm-hmm. But he's grateful for that. But he would never make me feel like if there was a day he came home and the house wasn't clean or there wasn't food, he would never make me feel bad. Right, right. I would feel bad internally. You know, he never made me feel that way. But I just felt like I had failed at my job that day. You know, Mm -hmm. that's on me. That shows my work ethic, I guess. But when you have kids, it shifts. It's like then you're I mean, we we had a genuine conversation, him and I, when I got pregnant. And it was like, well, do you want to go back to work? Because my old job had held my job. And they're like, we'll wait three months. And if you want to come back, that's great. But. I didn't, obviously, because I had twins and that's a lot harder and those are my new priority. So he he was like, no, you don't you need to stay home. It's more important to raise our kids like and we were on the same page with that. But I did end up going back to work when they were in fourth grade and I worked for the school district. And that's how I got my feet wet with trying to juggle everything. And then when he moved to Atlanta, he uh, had to cook and provide for himself. I wasn't there. Um, And that was a huge test to our relationship. I'll tell you that right now. Um, Because we were together and then he all of a sudden wasn't there. He got a job detail in Atlanta and that's a three-hour time difference. He couldn't fly home every weekend. And you have this human there and then he's gone. And then I have all the things to deal with. I had gone back to work. I was cooking. I was cleaning. It was... You know, and we wouldn't talk every night. Um, but 
at the same token, he learned to appreciate me more because he had to learn how to cook. And now he cooks dinner. I don't. He does. The rules have completely shifted because now I'm working 13-hour days and trying to still be the best human I can. But I'll cook on the weekends. That's my job. But during the week, he makes breakfast for all of us. Um, do, you, but, do you think that roles are important for the male and the female? I mean, yeah, but they can change because – like I said, we were so old school and I was so cookie cutter. Like I was the provider or I mean, he was the provider and I was the cook and the clean. And now that has switched. And yet he still makes more money than me. He still is the one that we're able to pay our bills. But I'm working more than him, honestly, hour wise. Um, but he's still doing all the things. He's coaching our kids baseball team and our kids are in four sports right now. And he's the one taking them to and from and he's still cooking we both clean now. It's a very dual relationship now. I think that that's the way typically things end up materializing. You know, when you're with somebody for so long and you are now doing life together in yeah. ways that you weren't prior, like there's a there's a an element of forgiveness. Yeah. And an allowance for other things. But people change and you have to realize that and you have to be able to grow and learn with the change. Mm -hmm. I've changed. I would say I've always been the same, but I would say I've changed a little bit and evolved over time. And so has he. And we've changed together. In what ways have you changed? Um, <laughs> my patience. I used to have the patience of a saint. Um, and I think I just you get and that I think is just age that happens. It just does. Um, but my patience for, <laughs> this sounds so bad, but just for stupidity of humans, I can't fathom like the other day, like I just, my glass is always half full. That is how I look at life. And I'm always, I'm walking on a cloud. Like there's just no badness that happens in this world in my life and in my head. And yet when I see, I was parked at Costco the other day and this person right next to me, we were three down from where you put the shopping carts away. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, this guy uh, unloaded his groceries in his car and then left his shopping cart literally in the space right next to there was like a brand new BMW and then another car and then my truck. And then so it literally would have taken him 30 seconds to put the cart away. Um, I get it if you're in a time crunch and you're all the way across the flipping parking structure, whatever. I understand life happens, but even in that situation, I still run the cart back. Be a kid, run it back and like grab the handles and stay on the back, like hop on it, you know, like you're driving like a car mm -hmm. or whatever. That's fun. Um, but like that kind of stuff, like I got out of the car and I said something and before I would never do that. I would just get out of the car and I would put it away for him. But I was like, I'm sorry, would you be cool if that shopping cart hit your brand new BMW? Put the cart away, please. And he flipped me off and told me to mind my fucking business. And like my mind just was like, OK, now this is road rage. He's like now I'm following you, which I'm not, that's not in my DNA. Granted, it could be that time of the month. So you never know. <laughs> but like, ah. So you you became more disagreeable then. It's safe to say in life you became yeah. more disagreeable, less passive. Yeah. I guess I found my voice maybe is another way to put it. Like mm. before, I, I'm such a people pleaser. I'm, I'm still a people pleaser. And that's my greatest and and um, worst 
fault, I guess I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever. But I guess I've a little bit. I found my voice. I guess you. It's. Could. I think it's fine to be people pleaser with the right people, and you have to have boundaries. That's one thing. And I don't. Well, I think you're getting better at that. Yes. So that's one way. One example I would say that I've evolved. Absolutely. But to have boundaries that 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 essentially is putting a different element of you to the or bringing a different element of you to the table, maybe foreign or something that you haven't really put any energy into lately, but that element of being disagreeable and setting a boundary for yourself and saying no when you otherwise would say yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's important because as you've seen in your business and as I've seen in my business, people will just not malevolently, but they will walk over you, you know, and it's just because you, you know, you give them, you are, you're not saying no. So they're just going to, okay. Well, I just posted yesterday. Actually, I said, um, do you work for free? Cause I don't, I saw that post. Yeah. And, and it baffles my mind. Like a lot of times people don't view our industry as something that you should pay for, I guess. Like, girls have no problem dropping a dime to get a facial or to get Botox or to get a $100 pair of pants. But to spend even $60 on an hour of health and fitness for your own self, they have a very hard time stomaching that. And, and you know, we've spent hours and thousands of dollars on education of trainings and things to give our clients and they still don't value our time too. That's another big pet peeve of mine is that people don't value my time. Every hour that I'm in that studio is an hour I'm away from my own kids. And that's hard because I have four years left with them before they're gone and out of the house. You know where I stand on this. Yeah, I do. (laughs) It's very easy for me to, to be authoritative in that regard. I've never had a problem being direct with people and telling them how much things cost. And that's and, a trait. That's huge. And the, the funny thing is, is when you are that way, maybe it comes differently from a man than it does a woman. And especially when you're not friends with the person that's coming to you and asking for training. Yeah. Like, to be honest with you, I've never trained any of my friends because none of my friends will pay me to train them because they all do their own bodybuilding workouts. And right. that's, there's no point for me to train them because they're fine on their own. But for yourself, you know, everybody wants to build a, it's a different dynamic and it's a different culture that you're in that I'm in or rather than the people that come to me. Yeah. I mean, I I have a few or I've had a few in my career, so to speak of the women that want to build the booty and bullshit. (laughs) It's not bullshit. It's really good. Men love it too, by the way. Men love it. Uh, But it's a, I, I service a different demographic typically than you would. And you have this just immense just infrastructure of women that are all wanting basically the same thing, correct? Yeah. And it's hard when you develop rapport and friendships, with this, which is basically what a personal, a good personal trainer does. They're yeah. personal first. They're trainer second, they're personal first. Absolutely. Because you're not going to retain the client if you're not personal. Yeah. They won't come back if you're just... Well, my husband straight up the other day... Uh, because we were just talking about life in general and work and if I'm still happy doing it. And yes, the answer is yes. 
Um, but he said, what are you selling? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what are you selling? He's like, do you need to, is it more group fitness? What health and fitness? What are you selling? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, you're selling yourself. You, you're selling a show. Like people come to you. Not that it's a show. That's the bad word, but they, you know, they, I mean, it's a damn show in that class. If you've ever been to my class, but I, I'm going to take one. Genuine. You should. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Um, people come to me because they feel genuinely cared about. Um, I mean, I will ask them how their day is and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to talk to them while I'm scanning the room, making sure. And if someone's form is off on the other side and we're in a deep conversation, I just say, hold that thought. I'll be right back. Finish your reps. And then I'll go fix that person. And then I'm right back to that person. And I, my class is an hour and I spend five minutes with every single person in that room to understand how their day was too. Cause that's another trick of mine, I guess, uh, is, how did this person, how was their day? Was it rough? They don't need to be pushed today. They're, they're, I'm lucky they even showed up. They just need to move. If this person had a great day. They had the best day. I'm going to push you. We're going to add 25s. We're going to go hard today. This is a PR for you. So like that five minute interaction gives me intel on how this client is doing today. What's their mental state? And I think that's important. Huge. You got to listen to them. Absolutely. You call it a trick, but I don't think that's a trick. I think that that's just the way that you are. I think you genuinely care. And yeah, I think that I you genuinely want to extract good from people and you want to showcase what they could do when they thought they couldn't do it. Yeah. I don't think that that is something that, you know, was told to you or you thought, well, this is a cool way to be conniving. No, you know, I it's think hardwired that it's just, in me. It, exactly. You're just that woman and yeah. you, you genuinely care about people, which is the reason why you have a hard time you have a hard time dice, you know, uh, I guess, uh, separating yourself from being a people pleaser. Yeah. Huge. And it's to my own detriment. Um, I mean, I will wear myself into the ground. So on that topic, when we were, when we were talking about being a people pleaser, it's very, and we talk about setting boundaries, etc. Mm-hmm. People, it's a funny thing that I've learned. People will respect boundaries when you place them. Yeah. What people, and you think, and I've had this conversation with multiple people pleasers before, quote yeah. unquote people pleasers. They tend to think that if they do not appease the person or give way to that person's demands or rather not demands, but you know, asks, yeah. then they've lost that person or they, they have, they're now in a subjugated position with that person. But what happens is that person, because they're a human as well, yeah. they sit, they can literally look at that person situation and think like this person doesn't respect themselves they just allow me to walk all over them they may not think that in the moment but when they reflect about certain conversations they had with certain people they think to themselves that person i know that that person has another agenda why or another schedule to keep rather why do they say yes to me why do they why do they just appease me i know that they're that they're they didn't want to do that like they just didn't have the balls to tell me yeah and the thing is is that a lot of people at least that are ones that i've experienced they can't really respect people that don't put boundaries on themselves because they themselves place boundaries on their own life or in their own life yeah so when you place boundaries as well they may not like it but they can relate to it because they do the same thing. Yeah. 
I'm learning. I'm 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 learning. <laughs> it's a slow it's a slow process. But I did last week say no to somebody, and that was my first no, and it killed me a little bit. But in the um at the same token, on the inside, I I cheered and I clapped for myself because it wasn't out of spite that I said no, but it was genuinely out of no. I've got a really take care of the clients that I have now. I've got to take care of myself. I've got to be fully present and happy when I go home for my kids after a long day. Um, I mean, I have to put on a show all day and that's exhausting. I have Monday, when, Monday Wednesdays, I, I teach six group classes and I have six solos on top of it. And every single hour, I have to rewind and be on point for every single one of those. And I'll tell you by... The last hour of my day, I want nothing more than to just like cry because I'm so exhausted from putting on a show. But I, at the same token, I love what I do. So I don't want that to sound bad, but um, I still I'm capable of doing those Mondays and Wednesdays, but only if I can say no on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is what I've started to do. So I'm good learning. For good for you. You can only exhaust a person so much before they oh, just yeah. cripple. And I don't want to hate what I do because I genuinely love it. I, I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm too old for what I'm doing right now. And I hate saying that. Um, and at that token, I also feel like I'm just at my prime because now I know I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've tried it all. So I know what's successful. And you don't hear me talk about it um a lot I internalize stuff and I I'm not out there bragging about anything um I don't know if this is I'm not really expressing the way that what what I want to express right now in the best way but um I'm not a very showy person you're not gonna hear me say like oh I know this I know that I'm still learning I'm still learning a lot but I have learned a lot and I feel at 40 you know enough to be the best that I can be for my clients right now. But then at 40, you're considered old also to some. Um, but you're also only as old as you allow yourself to be. <laughs> um, but I feel like I should have been doing this years ago, if that makes sense. And there should have, could have, would have. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can't base your life on that. And the fact is you're here now. This is what you're doing now. You're successful at it because you're successful at people. It's not because you've learned a bunch of shit. Yeah. Look, when people come to you and to train, they don't come to you to train to learn. They come to train with Tara because it's Tara. You have to understand that. So yeah, before anything else, says. you're not a trainer. You're a person and you deliver a personal experience to those that are buying into you. That's the reason why you retain people. That's the reason why I retain people because I'm good with people. Yes. I'm not just good with training. That's a that's a secondary. Yeah. People are first. That is a true statement. And I will say um, to that degree, Andy uh, knows more about this industry than any human I know, but he is not a people person. And that is why he's not a trainer. It's the it's so boring. I love you, guy. I love you, but it's the worst hour. You would hate it. He kicks my ass, but he doesn't talk. He's boring. 
He doesn't care if you say, ow, I can't do that. He doesn't care. You're like, this is torture. What did I do to you? It's hell. It is not fun. I mean, he'll kick your ass hands down and he knows any everything about everything, but it's not an enjoyable. And that's the reason I got into fitness is to make it fun because it's for your life. It is not for a bikini season. It is not for a wedding. You should work out daily moving your body, not saying you have to lift weights seven days a week, but be active, move your body um, and you should love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, you should do any, anything you do, you should love, but it should also be hard too. Yeah. You know, I mean, this thing that you're doing is hard because of the schedule and keeping that schedule and balancing life, etc. Yeah. But it's still something that you, ad, you, you love, admire and respect. And that's why you so continue much. to do it so much, but that shows in your work and it's, Oh, it's not only that it shows in your work, it shows in your people. Look, the, like I said, people are the main constituent here. It's not just, it's not just the aspect of learning and getting education, etc. Like I know a lot of people that are, I don't want to say a lot. I know like two master trainers they have a lot of education, but it doesn't mean shit because they can't retain clients because they're boring as fuck. And no one wants to train. No one wants to come back to you. Right. There's this, I've never met a a person, male or female in my training career that has ever only wanted me to count reps and, and, (laughs) and, and pay tutorials to them, like, or show them tutorials of squat, lunge, deadlift, et cetera. Like never just that. Yeah. And you I could, don't count. That's one thing. <laughs> I don't count either. Yeah. And if I count, I might get off because I'm not even. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm only like paying attention two more. Your, two more. I don't know. Yeah. Two I'm going to say let's, 94. <laughs> Fuck it. 94. Does it hurt yet? No. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that the more laxed I am with that, the more produces a funner environment. Yeah. Because nobody. Look, I don't want to be trained by somebody who counts reps. That's the most, because I know what's coming next. After two <laughs> comes three, after three comes four. And in my head, I'm thinking, it's not shut yet. up, man. <laughs> Just, okay, but that's besides the point. Like, you make a fun environment. And that's the reason why people come back to you. Yeah. I would say it's not has nothing to do with the fact that you have extended credentials. It's only because it's Tara. That's it. Because again, there are multiple people out in the world that are highly credentialed. Even over me, I'm a master trainer. Yeah. It doesn't matter because if you can't operate with people, if you can't interact and interface well with people and get them to do things and persuade them in a beneficial way to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do on their own and do it in a fun respect or a fun manner rather and a personable way, like on top of that being likable. Yes, likable, charismatic, and listening to them. Yeah. All those components matter above Huge. education. Yeah. Agreed. But you got to be educated too. Yeah, Obviously, please. that's a main thing. I'm not main <laughs> thing. That's a big thing. It is. It's both. It's full circle, like you're saying. Like you've, um, I mean, I guess, again, comes to a big component with personal training and relationships is communication, bar none. And you hear that in... A lot of relationships, like how is your communication? There is no communication. Like it's so vital. It's so key. You've got to listen to your clients. Like what kind of a day did they have? Because 
if you're pushing somebody and they had a really crappy day, that's when you're going to get injury because they're not going to care. They're going to be pissed and they're not going to pay attention to their form and they're going to get hurt. Um, and that's just in a relationship too. If you're not paying attention and not listening to what they're communicating to you, then you build this resentment and then there's a crack in the foundation of that relationship and a crack leads to a split and then a crumble. And what do you have left? That's good. That's really good. It's, it's, you're definitely correct with that. Men don't like to communicate. No, and, it's not in your DNA really. Yeah. And we're so, unless Black you become life. a therapist or something like that for your vocation, you know, then you like <laughs> to communicate, but. Or if you're my son, Caden, he's such a sweet, he likes to talk. Oh my God. Sorry. His future wife. He's me. <laughs> well, I mean, that might be a good thing for him. I mean, Huge. That, I think communication, you need to be able to read, write and speak well, no matter who you yeah. are as a human being yeah. that will take you, that will advance you in so many respects in life. The street smarts. You got to have them. <laughs> that too. Yeah. You have to, you have to be able to navigate your way around people Yeah, and do so with a vernacular that allows you to have the most upside, mm. not in a way that you're taking things by any means necessary, but in a way that you can get an even exchange from the person. Yeah. Not only you and that person, but it's an even exchange. And that doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen even when you're cognizant of it. It doesn't always happen. Yeah. You know, it's hard. You have to sometimes like tell yourself like, look, this is, this is the way that I, even though I want to act this way, or I want to say these things. I shouldn't, I should say this instead, or I should not say anything. Yeah. You have to constantly talk to yourself. Unless you're 40 and you leave your shopping cart next to my car. Yeah, that. you're getting the brunt of the stick when that happens. Ugh. But that's a good thing because people need to, people need to understand where they're fucking up. Yeah, and that guy was clearly fucking up. Like it may what may not have been a big thing to him, but that could have led into something more, more tumultuous, like the like the shopping cart going into the BMW or something. Yeah, and then that would have ruined someone's day. That guy, Huge. that BMW's owners would have ruined his day, man. I guess that's just where I'm different, I guess. I feel like my brain is always thinking ahead as far as my cup being filled. And like when I saw that, it was triggering for me because I'm like, what if the re if it was reversed and that was your brand new car and someone left, you know, the wind. All Correct. it takes is the wind or someone to push that cart or whatever it is. That's right. And jam into that car and I as a human would feel terrible even though that's not my car or I didn't leave that shopping cart. I would feel devastated for that guy, whoever's car that is. That's just the my nature, I guess. And I don't know how you instill that in humans or your kids. I don't know if that's something you're just born with. I don't know if that's something you can be taught. Um, I... How I try to teach it to my kids is there's two things every day. Every single day I drop them off at school. It's the same conversation before they get out of the car. Now they mimic me because they know what I say. And I say, be the reason someone smiles today. And they say, be the reason someone smiles. Love you. Bye. And then they close the door. But I say it every single day now. And I also say, wave or smile at someone even if they look sad because that can change somebody's day around. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if I can instill just that saying it over and over and over again, it at some point it has to make a difference in my kids brains. And then that can make a difference for somebody else. It definitely does. The fact that you're repetitious with it. 
every day. It's yeah. literally the last thing I say to them every day before even we get if, out of the car. I would argue if they hate it, they're still gonna they're still gonna remember it, and they're still it's they're gonna apply it. Actually, they don't too. mimic as much. Last year they mimicked because they they were seventh graders. They were too cool. Eighth grade now it's we're transitioning into that weird like I'm still their mom, but we're kind of friends now stage. Um, so they don't mimic it now, but you know, sometimes they'll beat me to it and they'll be like, be the reason someone smiles and say it real fast and then get out of the car. So I can't That's say funny. it. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll still say it even if it's just me in the car. Because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear no. mom say it again and again. No. And, again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now I realize I'm my mom now too. You know, you always say you're not going to turn into your parents. I'm fully my mom. Yeah, that's, there's truth to that. Oh, you're yeah. Definitely gonna turn, you're definitely going to turn, most of the time, down Especially, to my laugh, which my husband hates. He's like, you can't, you laugh like your mom. I'm like, that's not a bad thing. He's like, no, but like, he's close to my mom. So it's just a weird. Kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a lot weird. So I get so mad. And all I do is laugh. You know, I'm like, damn, I don't, sorry. I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. So what do you think, what do you think your life is going to look like in like five years? Do you see yourself still doing the peach pit? That is such a really quick. I have to note too, because I know this is the first thing I noticed when I walked in here mm-hmm. because I wasn't going to bring it up unless you said the name peach pet. Um, when I walked in, I saw these two bangs. One's peach and one's watermelon. <laughs> and I don't have the peach in front of me. I oh, like, we have to make that shift. What? We have to make I, that uh, shift. Like literally my OCD this whole time was like, um, I'm listening, I'm watching, but my brain is like, why isn't that one over here? And this one over And there? you know what? It would have matched better too. That bang would have matched your clothes better than that, than this bang mine. And that bang, you know, would have matched my clothes better too. <laughs> yeah. Contrast. We need to make that shift. Um, that's it. Turn it off. Film it over. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. start over. Um, that's such a funny question because I ask myself that a lot. Um, I'm not, I'm definitely not done doing what I'm doing because I'm having way too much fun and I'm making a difference and I see it and I hear it every day down to, um, just girls. Like I can't even tell you how many text messages I get at night that are just like, I was having the worst day and I came to your class and down to some serious stuff. Like obviously I'm not going to name names, but People going through divorces, people going through deaths, cancer, um, major child issues, major child issues, um, heavy, heavy, heavy stuff that I've never had to deal with in my personal life. And I can't even fathom what they're going through. And if my laughter and ridiculous dance moves and loud music can give them a slice of happiness in their day, then how can I stop doing that? no matter how tired I am. It's such a small, finite thing to to give back without even realizing you're giving back. But to get 10 text messages late at night or to wake up and say, sorry, I just needed you to know, like you've changed my life, you've changed my world, you have no idea what you've done. I haven't done anything. It was you showing up for you. You did it for you. What mm. did I do? I did nothing. I sang a song for you today and was horrible at it. I made you squat till you wanted to stop, but you still did it. You know, like I can't wrap my head around that, that girls constantly and men. I have a lot of men clients, too, mostly girls um, that come to me and just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, thank yourself. You showed up for yourself. Why are you thanking me? Yeah, I understand. And, you know, the fact that you do this thing so effortlessly 
it's the reason why you can't understand why they value you so much because it's just like walking to you or breathing or yeah. drinking or eating it's you do it so effortlessly you don't think when you when you no. eat something you don't think you just put the fucking fork in your mouth and chew <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how you do fitness you just you just do it and you yeah but because you're so good with people and you have a way of making them feel what's the reason why you have retention yeah is and when i say when i say retention i mean in all spat on all in all aspects of retention friendships clients etc like you have that retention factor. Mm-hmm. Most people do not have, do not attain that because they're, they're just not people, people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. But the retention factor is a major thing. It's the only way that you're going to be successful as a trainer or as, yeah. a, as, as in any service industry. Yeah. You know, your, your, your ability to be personable, be relatable and be able to, really persuade people in the beneficial sense yeah. to do things that they don't want to do things that are hard. I mean, I just go back to that question and it's funny because I, I try to put myself in and cause I think about those things at night. Like my brain doesn't just shut off at night and I'm like, okay, what's next or what's to come or how do I stay at this level? And because another thing is, I mean, people come to me all the time and this is a conversation that we had earlier about, Everyone says you have to be an online trainer, be an online trainer, because, you know, we don't make a lot of money. We don't get compensated hourly compared to what a hairstylist gets compensated or um, for any beauty industry products. We are the low man on the totem pole, yet we give you more than what you get from any of those other things, if that makes sense. You know, you're getting way more out of an hour with us than you do from that one hour of shopping or that one hour hair. I mean, hair is really like three hours now, but it's like $300 to get it done. Not knocking that. I'm not knocking that. Um, But you know what I'm saying? We don't get paid in the industry of beauty and things at we're the low man on the totem pole. Um, And I forgot where I was going with that statement, but I got way too wrapped up into like... (laughs) It's just the reason why we. I just lost my train of thought too. What the fuck? We've gone over everything. Well, so you asked me, do I see myself doing this in five years? Um, Time will tell, I guess. Um, My biggest priority is my children. And I have four and a half years left with them before I'm an empty nester. And that's going to change me forever. That's going to change my house is going to change my relationship with my husband um, in the fact that our world is our kids. And when they're not there and my husband doesn't speak a lot, how are we going to continue the games that we do now to keep our relationship alive? We're going to have to work at that because you hear that. And my mom has said that my parents are still very happily married and it's 43 years going strong. Um, and And that scares me. A lot. So like, do you still work or do you stop working and focus on each other? I think you might kill each other if you do that. Like, you can't. I don't know. I think you're going to evolve the more, the older you get, the wiser you become. You're going to evolve. And this, you, you have these questions now at 40, but you may not have those questions at 50 yeah. or even 45 yeah. because they may end up 
they may end up circumventing themselves on their own. Yeah. You know, these questions you have may end up answering themselves. Which is how this, where I'm at in my life right now happened. If you were to say to me five years ago, do you see yourself opening your own facility and training? I would have said you're crazy. I was doing it a little bit on the side here and there, but nothing big. I never posted about it. Never, you know, it was friends. We were working out together. Um, I never, ever, ever would have believed it. So my life is significantly different now than five years ago even. So from five years from now, I it could be in a whole different direction. I don't even know. That's crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, either way, you have a good support team. Andy, your kids, I know, support you. You have a you have a wide array of females around you that support you. So amazing women. I'm I support you clearly. You know that. And look, I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think it's. I think it's only onward and upward trajectory from here for you. Mm. That's the only thing I see with your business. Not only your business, but just who you are as a person. I and I'm honored to have that. you on the podcast. I just, I really appreciate your time and thank you for coming. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Well, when we could keep going, <laughs> but this, 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 we've covered everything but food. I think. Well, I'm going to have you back. We're going to do it again in a couple months time. We might so. have to do Andy and I, cause that could be an, a very interesting. That would be actually very interesting. I would, would love to hear. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to say a word. I'm just going to be here and listen. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. Tell them about it. Yeah, we could do that. That would be fun. <laughs> so until then, tell people where they can find you on Instagram, Facebook, anything. Uh, if you want to follow, it's Terrified Fitness. Um, I own the Peach Pit in Orogande. You can look me up on Terrified Fitness. Facebook? No, it's just Tara. I'm not a Tara Facebooker. Warwick. I'm on Facebook, but I don't do Facebook. I know it's. I can only do Instagram. Uh, it's. I just can't do more platforms than that. I'm not even a TikToker. I don't have anything other than Instagram. So, you could do my website is terrifiedfitness.com. You can find my cell phone number on there, and you can text me that way. But um, I'm not a big social. I have. A, I have my business account and I have my personal account. And if you go to my personal account, I don't think I've posted in two years on that. I'm still on there once mm. in a while, but I mean, I posted like recently just to keep that alive. Um, but I'm not even on that. I'm really not a social media person. I do it for my business and that's how I, amen. That's, that's <laughs> literally I'm that way. the podcast. <laughs> that's only if I wasn't on, if I, if I didn't have the podcast, I wouldn't be on Instagram. Honestly, I would probably delete yeah. my account by now. Yeah. <sighs> Once in a while, I'll, I'll check the Facebook just because it is it is a good platform to keep up with people. I do. I do appreciate that for people I haven't seen for 10 years. You know what's going on with them, but it's a rabbit hole if you get too it sucked in that. And, 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 and Twitter, I hear is worse. Yeah, I don't have that either. I don't really have that. I yeah. can't do that. Well, until next time. Thank you. Done. <laughs>